Hey, what's up, guys? Bill Brower here with FMBA Nation. Today, I wanted to talk to you and tell you a little bit about Anchor. It is the podcast platform that we use here for FMBA Nation, and it is probably the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Secondly, there's tons of creation tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also help you with the distribution of your podcast so it can be heard on different types of platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need to make a podcast and more all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to www.anchor.fm to get started. You are listening to the FMBA Nation podcast series featuring the leaders, members, and supporters of the New Jersey State Firefighters Mutual Benevolent Association. Our mission is to inform, educate, protect the interests of the members of the FMBA, and keep safe the civilians in the communities we serve. This is Bill Brower with FMBA Nation, and today I'm being joined by two very special guests. We have with us uh, David Harper and Anna Harper. And for those of you that uh, don't know, a couple years back we had our FMBA Flash event, which was a golf and fishing trip to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to raise funds for the Susan G. Komen Foundation North Jersey chapter. David and Anna were... um, part of that event. They were sent down by the Susan G. Komen North Jersey Foundation, and we were very honored and blessed uh, to have them with us to enjoy that experience and to tell us about their story. Uh, We recently reconnected with David and Anna and wanted to bring them in during this month of October, which many know is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, to kind of tell us their story, uh, give us some updates as to what's going on today, and in the hopes that they can be of an inspiration to many people out there to listen to their story and uh, to be able to draw and reflect from that on an everyday basis. So, David, Anna, thank you for joining me. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you guys here with us. Um, Give us a little background about uh, your story. Where where do we begin from here? Uh, First of all, thanks, Bill, for having David and I here. Um, My name is Anna Harper, and uh, this is my husband, Dave Harper. Morning. Thanks for having us, Bill. Um, so I guess I want to start with, my wife was pregnant, I guess so that's where I want to start. So, well start yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess about five years ago, I was pregnant with my third child mm-hmm. and I was six months pregnant. I, my daughter was, when I was, when I got pregnant with my son, I was, my daughter wasn't even a year old, my second daughter, Courtney. And I had been nursing her, so I stopped nursing her. And the, um, I guess when a woman stops nursing, mm-hmm. her breast hardens. So the mm-hmm. doctor said it was normal, so we went to the doctor again. And um, they said, let's do an ultrasound, because since I was pregnant with my third, my third child, I couldn't get a mammogram. So therefore, we got an ultrasound. The ultrasound right away, the radiologist came in the room and said, oh, we should do a biopsy biopsy and need a core biopsy. So I said, oh, let me talk to my doctor first. Because Mm -hmm. when you're pregnant, of course, you're not, you don't want to do anything that the doctor doesn't tell you to do. So 
couple of weeks went by. The doctor said, yes, let's do it. So we had the core biopsy. The surgeon came in the room and she's like, oh, you know what? Let's put a marker in there and I'll let you know in a few days. So that was on a Friday. And then Monday, the office called us and they're like, oh, we need to talk to you. And so I said to my husband, oh, I don't know if that's good. So he was going to be traveling to Texas the next day. So mm -hmm. they were like, oh, we need to get you in. Um, so they got us in. And the doctor said that the needle core aspiration, that everything that they aspirated was full of cancer. Wow. And, um, you were... Yeah. You know, you know when the doctor says, uh, you need to come in right away and, and bring your husband or bring your spouse with you, it's... That's never a good Yeah, a buckle good up. Sign. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah, so when she said that, I said, okay, well, let's do what we have to do. Like, let's, I don't need them anymore. <laughs> let's take them out. And she's like, oh, wait, it's a little more complicated than that. Um, so at that point, did they, did they, when they found the cancer, did they inform you, like, what stage was it at? Did they tell no. you anything like that yet at that point? No, they didn't say what, what point. They just said, um, they didn't say what stage. They just said, we need to act on this fast mm -hmm. because of the size of it and where it was. Mm -hmm. I was pregnant. So they had to, they were going to have a, um, a tumor board meeting or something like that, like a few days afterwards. They wanted to get me to an oncologist right away because that was my breast surgeon. Mm -hmm. So you were you were pregnant with your third child yes. when you were diagnosed, and you had just had your second child. You were the year before. Year yeah. before you were still feeding after you had finished uh, the breastfeeding is when you came across this problem and you were pregnant with your third child. Yes. How what what I mean what goes through your mind as a as a parent? I'm a, I'm a parent of two children. So the first thing that mm -hmm. goes through your mind is, am I giving my daughter? breast cancer mm -hmm. because I'm I was nursing my daughter right. up until I was almost four months pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, she, that's the first thing, of course. Oh my goodness! It was like giving her cancer. Is my son gonna get cancer? Mm -hmm. Is he going to live? There's so many things that, as as you know, especially because I had two girls. I have at that time, Hannah was uh, 11, 12, so 13 or something like that. So. My older daughter, which is now 17, you know, I'm thinking, I have two daughters, I, I'm having a son, what mm -hmm. am I going to do to make sure that he's okay? Right. So it was too early for me to have him, but I said, well, can we deliver him and then start chemo? And she said, mm, no, I think we can do chemo while you're pregnant. So, mm -hmm. of course, what goes through your mind, I'm giving my son chemo. Sure, yeah, that's got to be a scary, I mean. It's just crazy to think about that you can have chemo while while you're pregnant you're thinking you know all you're thinking about is your unborn child and what is that yeah what is that stuff gonna do I, of course it came through my mind i said to him i, I want you to have the child if i have to go mm -hmm. and he's like no it's not gonna happen the doctor said no that's not gonna happen we want to get you to an oncologist let's have a, we have to have a tumor board meeting mm -hmm. there's a meeting i guess all the doctors have on a weekly basis so at first, I was like, can we wait? And they're like, no. Now, at that point, had the doctors ever had this type of case before where they, they were, um, you know, dealing with a woman who has breast cancer, uh, feeding, uh, breastfeeding a child and pregnant with another child at the same time? Have they ever come across that? So it, it's not very common. Mm -hmm. Well, now it is. Now, okay. and now it's more common. But at that time, four years ago, it was well, five years ago, it wasn't as common mm -hmm. because you're only pregnant for nine months. So the chances of you being pregnant in that nine-month mm -hmm. period while 
and being diagnosed. And being diagnosed. It's, it's kind of, and then I was under 40, so they say like the median age for breast cancer. Well, now, of course, everything is changing, but back before it was between 45 to 55 or 60 because right. of menopause. Sure, and yeah. Now, the, the type of breast cancer that I have is triple negative. Okay. So it's a very aggressive kind of, so it's basically, there's the three other ones, there's four different kinds. There's okay. a, lot, a lot of different cancers. Sure. Breast cancers, you know. So there's a lot of different kinds of breast cancers. There's three of them that are like estrogen um, positive, like it has to do with estrogen, mm -hmm. um, like HER2 positive. Uh, yeah, you get those different types that you know, I never knew when we when we entered this little breast cancer journey, journey, <laughs> journey so to speak. Um, you know, you've got, you, you think breast cancer, you think, oh, that's bad. But then you think, then you realize there's three, four different types of it. Mm -hmm. And there's different treatments for those different types. And mm -hmm. Of course, this one had to get the one that's more most aggressive. Right. And it's the, the biggest question mark. Right. You might as well have the last <laughs> yeah. name Murphy, right? right. I mean. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then. Um, so take us, take, us through, take us through the treatment. So you're going through chemo. You're pregnant with your third child. Um, well, the first thing they do, of course, they do the, after they do the needle core biopsy, um, and they say that you have to start chemo, you're like, oh my goodness, like, do I have to act fast? Do I go to another doctor? Do I do this? Like, cause you're like, you have to, everybody's telling you, get a second opinion. The first thing I did was I went to my priest mm -hmm. and I said to him, this is what's going on. Like, show me, like, Show me some kind of light or something like just what do I do? Like yeah. what's, I'm pregnant. Like what do we do? I'm a very faithful person. Um, David is is Methodist. I'm mm -hmm. Catholic, but I have faith, so it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't the matter what faith or mm -hmm. denomination. I just wanted to know like where I should go. Or I as I knew that when she told me that I had breast cancer, I said okay, let's fix this. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't get scared right away. I got nervous and upset for him mm -hmm. because I said, oh boy, he's going to have to deal with this. Because mm -hmm. you think about the person who's helping you and sure. who's with you because they're the ones who have to endure everything, like everything that you go through. And so I thought, of course, I thought about my children and I thought about him and I thought, oh my goodness, his mom is also a breast cancer survivor. So, oh. so she said, we have to act on this. So that he was leaving to Texas. So that night that I was diagnosed, I was with the kids at home with the two girls and I was pregnant and I'm like, oh my goodness. So he gets to Texas and of course he's, he feels like the day that you get diagnosed, I'm not home. So yeah. they wanted me to see an oncologist right away. So we went that Friday and she's like, you have to start chemo right away. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, how do you do that with a baby? Yeah, and she's like, well... We want you to see a high risk surgeon, a high risk doctor. So, that's that's the first step because mm -hmm. they're going to monitor you while you're going through this. So the next week, they had already set the appointments up. Like they set everything up for you. Sure. And so we went to see the high risk doctor, and he said, "Well, there's two things that can happen. You can have surgery to remove the tumor right away, or you can start chemo right away." We all have to get together. So they had another meeting. Yeah. yeah there was, you know, you kind of want to, you get a diagnosis and you want to kind of deal with it, or you mm -hmm. kind of want to know what path you're going to go down. But it, that first week seemed like it lasted a year and a half. Oh, I can imagine. You had doctors that were trying to make decisions, and, and you know, thankfully the right decisions. Um, 
given that we were pregnant and um, they they came up with a path but they, they kept on changing the path as as we went and I'm like oh just go down the figure out which way we're going to go first yeah. and they eventually settled on you're going to start chemo the baby will be safe in the placenta which is again it's counterintuitive but mm-hmm. it's amazing what science can do yeah and uh, we'll give you a couple rounds of chemo um, deliver the baby continue the chemo and then mm-hmm. we'll go from there so go through that with us. How long were you being uh, treated with so the chemo? So I had chemo? my first mm-hmm. chemo November 18 mm-hmm. of 2013. Mm-hmm. And she said I was going to have four different kinds of chemo. The mm-hmm. first two were going to be a little bit more intense because it's called, quote, unquote, the red devil. Mm-hmm. And it's AC. Um, they actually, so you're sitting there. And they have to put gloves on because if their skin touches that chemo, sure. it can burn. Apparently, it can burn their skin. So wow. the nurses have to wear these gloves. And you sit there with an IV, and they're actually and injecting, they're injecting it into you with you. red stuff. Right. Of course, it's got to be red. That's, so yeah, that's like, not the like scariest thing ever. Right. Right. You're being <laughs> you're being told that a nurse's hands are going to get burned by this stuff, <laughs> right. yet they're injecting it directly into your veins. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, so what is this doing to my baby? Of course, that's sure. the first day. Mm-hmm. Everything is, what is this doing to the baby? Yeah. I didn't even think, like, oh, my gosh. Like, like, She did say that within two weeks I was going to lose my hair. Sure enough, my yeah. hair was probably past the middle of my back. And uh-huh. So I was like, okay. So I said, at first, of course, the, as a woman, mm-hmm. me, some women like short hair. As a woman myself, a lot of women relate to being a woman by their hair mm-hmm. and, you know. It's an identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at first I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to lose my hair. Okay, I'm pregnant. I'm going to look, I'm going to be bald, and I'm going to have a big ball in front of me. Of course, you're like, oh, my goodness. I was like, I don't care. Whatever. So I'm sitting there as I'm getting this, and the nurse is telling me, I'm asking her why she's wearing gloves, and she's telling me, you know, like I said, she's she can't touch it. So... That was about how long? Because we had to visit the doctor first. They have to give the blood work. Yeah, and like then a, about an all-day all thing. Yes, mm-hmm. we had to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. And so it doesn't feel weird. It, it feels weird afterwards. So mm-hmm. I'm there, and it, it nothing it was like getting an IV. It's like getting fluid through an IV. Mm-hmm. And the first, that was the first thing. I was like, okay, I handled this pretty well. When I went home, I had to go to the bathroom. And I go to the bathroom, and I see red. I'm thinking I'm having a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. That's the first oh, thing that geez. goes through my mind. And I'm like, so I'm like, babe. And he comes in running, and he's like, and I was like, oh, my God, am I losing the baby? Like, the chemo killed my baby. That's right. the first oh. thing. And, of course, he I called call the doctor the, right call, away, within yeah. a minute. Yeah, I called the doctor's office, and I'm like, is this normal? And they're like, oh, my God, we didn't tell you yet. It's normal. Wow. Because <laughs> of the red stuff. That'd the red be good dye. to know yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you want to tell people you know, next time. They were yeah. really nice, of they, course. Was... The nurses there are tremendous. I went, so the first time I went, I went to St. Barnabas mm-hmm. um, in the yeah, then. I mean, in their defense, you yeah. can realize most people aren't pregnant, pregnant. when they go Sure. Chemo, yeah. So. But yeah. that's the first thing I thought about. Like, I'm losing the baby. Oh my gosh. So, um,. That was the first day, and then I said, you know, she said I was going to lose my hair within two weeks. She mm-hmm. said by the next treatment, so they had spaced my treatments out in three weeks. So this was the first treatment. I was going to get my next treatment in three weeks, 
and then they were going to try and give me another one. Now, they also had to be cautious because of the pregnancy because I'm growing and they didn't mm -hmm. want, they did not want to um, give me chemo too close to the birth of the baby. So I had... So now, how far, how far along were you at this point? So when I was first diagnosed, it was between, I would have been diagnosed sooner mm -hmm. had we not gone to California yeah. and done all that stuff, but it was right. six, I was about between six and six and a half months okay. pregnant when I first got diagnosed. So I had chemo a month later, mm -hmm. November. Okay. So, so you're, in your, you're in your third trimester. I was in my third so. trimester, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had, I, I decided that I'm going to cut my hair short just to kind of, if you chop it off in one, you know, all in what time, it's, I think it's more dramatic. So I chopped it off. I had like a pixie cut. And then about, that was a week later, yeah. a week and a half later, I chopped, no, a week later I chopped it off. And then. And then, then it started to kind of. She'd little wake up in the morning, there'd be hair on the yeah. floor. You know, it's like yeah. guys with male pattern balls. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Hey, honey, that's yours, not mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so then I say a few days before my next chemo, I said, there's no way I'm letting my hair fall out. I'm not letting this chemo or this cancer take my hair. So mm -hmm. I called my little one. She was she had just turned one, and mm -hmm. I called Hannah, um, and which she was oh, 12 12 by then, 12. Mm -hmm. And I called them and I said, I want you to see something because I don't want you to get scared and I don't want you to think that I'm somebody else, especially mm -hmm. because my little one, she's sure. really close to mm -hmm. me. So they were like, what is it? And I had warned, we sat down when we first got diagnosed, when I, when I first got diagnosed. I say we because we've been going through this sure, together. Sure, I mean, yeah, that's... Um, we sat her down and we told her what was going on. Of course, the first thing, she was like, you're going to die. And I'm like, no, we're not going to die. I'm not going to let this kill me. I'm going to fight it. And then she's like, what about your hair? Oh, my gosh. So then he said, do you want me to shave my hair? And she's like, no, one of you already is, one of you losing your hair is too much. So I was like, <laughs> so then I, when I called her, I was like, I want you to see this. And then so Hannah was like, mom, I can't see that. I was like, no, Hannah, I want you to see this because I don't want you to ever go through life letting people take things away from you. I mm -hmm. want you to always be in control. And this is what I'm going to do. So I took... His, I cut his hair, so I took the buzzer, and I just buzzed my hair. In front what of a, girl. I mean, what a great, le I mean, uh, in hindsight, you know, I mean, what's going on at that point in time has got to be, you know, traumatic for them and uh, difficult to deal with for you, but to put it in that perspective and to teach her a life, a valuable life lesson at that point in time is just, I mean, to be able to, to do that with her, that then, then over, you know, over cutting your hair you. is, uh, is pretty remarkable. How now? How long? How long were you? Um, how long were the chemo treatments going on for? So at that point, it was I just had one. Mm -hmm. so right, but I mean, over the course of this whole first stint, you had that—that that was your first treatment. That was you said my there first was four treatment. I have, I was total to treatments. Have three before the baby. Okay. So I have then the next one I had the week after, mm -hmm. and then I started. That's when I started to feel a little tired. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I didn't know if it was because of being pregnant, because I was so big with my son. Um, I had been seeing so many doctors, the high-risk doctors. Um, at one point, we went to the high-risk doctor, and they gave us an ultrasound, and they were like, uh, we must warn you that when this, when you're pregnant with, and you're receiving chemo, your baby might be small. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what did I do to my son? Right. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> it, was one, it was right before Thanksgiving, you know, our son was being scanned, ultrasound and mm -hmm. everything else, six ways from Sunday. And, mm -hmm. and this, the poor guy, you know, a young doctor, resident comes in, he's like, um, 
He's got this look on his face like you know, everything's something's bad is happening. He says, "Well, did they did they tell you about the effects of chemo on, on an unborn child?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Well, uh, you know, they they may be smaller, may stint the growth." Yeah. Right. He says, "Well." This guy's huge. He's not gonna have a problem. I'm like, maybe, maybe start with that next time. Right. You yeah. Know. Yeah. We don't, we don't need any more dramatic effects. Yeah. So um, then we had the next chemo. The next chemo was in December, yeah. and then they said, "Well, you're getting really cl like I, I, they saw how big I was getting, and they thought that maybe this baby might come early because mm -hmm. he's so big. And he wasn't due till February, but I was just getting huge and." So they didn't. They wanted to give me one more, but they did not want to chance it with, what if he comes earlier? Mm -hmm. They wanted to time it right. Right. So the whole month of January, I didn't have anything, and then they said, "Why don't we go in a couple of weeks earlier and get him so that you can have treatment right away?" Because they didn't want me to go too, um, too long without treatment because mm -hmm. of the way that the cancer was. It was so fast acting. So if I didn't have treatment, then inside my tumor would be growing. So, because I didn't have treatment the month of January, this they, they were like, maybe it's a good idea if we deliver okay, the baby, go get, go get him a little bit earlier. Sure. So we did. We had him January thirty first, mm -hmm. ten pounds. The doctor wow. delivered him, and he's so like, much for that stint yeah. of growth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> ten she pounds. Was, he was like, oh wow, that was ten pounds, and I and I said to my to my OBGYN, who was ten pounds, and he's like, oh your son was. I was like, ten pounds, and he's like, yeah, he's a huge baby. I'm like. Are you sure that it was 10 pounds? Because all my, my daughters were both 8 pounds. I mean, they're big too, but 10 pounds and going through chemo. Had we waited a little bit longer when he was supposed to be born, he would have been... <laughs> oh, yeah. He, when when they, they put him on the scale, and I'm trying to read the scale, and you know, you're nervous. It's, you, your child was just delivered. Sure. And it's 9.899, whatever. I said, what does that say? And the nurse is like, oh, no, honey, that's 10. <laughs> 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 and, so, of course... It, she looks like the Dalai Lama because she's bald and right. pregnant. Right. He had a full head of hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a full head of hair. Absolutely. I said, yeah. is he going to have any hair? He's not going to have any hair. And the doctor's like, oh, no, he has a lot of hair, so don't worry about it. So, of course, um, everything was fine with him. They said that they thought he had a little bit of um, nephrosis or what yeah, is it, water in the lungs. Mm -hmm. So, we, mm -hmm. of course, the first six months we had to get him checked out to make sure that he was okay. Mm-hmm. After I had him, they were like, okay, now we have to start right away. Sure, yeah. So, so he comes out, he's perfectly healthy, he's nothing perfectly wrong. He's perfectly healthy. We were shocked. Mm -hmm. We were like, how is it that I had two rounds of this red devil, right. and he's he looks yada, fine. Yada, yada, he's right. pre-K, you know, going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. Now, uh, after you deliver, now is the time where they, they're like, all right, now we really got to get, you know, aggressive and get this and yeah. get it out of you and... So take us from that point okay. um, till, take us from that point until you're in uh, remission. So uh, it was almost three weeks to the day I had him, and they said, so I started my chemo. So because I was having four rounds of that red devil, I had, I had the two of the rest of the rounds that I had to have mm -hmm. no, that normal people that were not pregnant would have, and then they changed it up to um, taxol and carboplatin mm -hmm. um which is you're at that point i still had my eyebrows mm -hmm. when i started they changed my treatment then the rest of the hair 
came out. Every part of my body that had hair mm-hmm. was gone. 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 So eyelashes, eyebrows. So mm-hmm. then um, they give you the shot after you have uh, the the red bevel and it's new Lasta and I'm sure you've seen commercials about it. That is probably one of the worst shots I ever had because they give you, so I had chemo every Monday. Mm-hmm. That was my, it was every single Monday morning we would go and it was an all day thing at St. Barnabas and you know, you go from the doctors to the blood work to sitting there and then this second kind of chemo that they were giving me, the first time they gave it to you, they were like, Sometimes people get a reaction if you get it within the first. It's sometimes if you get it within the first nine Even if minutes. If you're gonna react, it's gonna be within the first eleven minutes of gotcha. the treatment. Yeah. And with between eight and nine minutes, I my body it was weird. It yeah. was like I said, oh my god, my stomach hurts. Yeah. And then he's like, are you okay? And then. <laughs> the nurse actually sits there for the the eleven minutes. They watch their watch mm-hmm. and. When she asked that question, I don't know if she hit a button or something, but the entire world mm-hmm. came into that little infusion room, and they slowed down the the the, the, the drip, the drip and, mm-hmm. and got her stable. But it it was weird how that happened. And but sure enough, you know, eleven minutes you're gonna react. Sure. Eleven minutes on the dot. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. they had, you know, un- unfortunately that meant they had to slow down the infusion. Mm-hmm. So each time she got it thereafter, there was no problem. Mm-hmm. But it. it it turned a, a one-hour event into a three or four-hour yeah, event. Yeah, that's crazy. So And it's, it happens. It's, it varies by person. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so fast forward to I had six months of treatment. Mm-hmm. June, I had the last treatment, and they said, what we're going to do is you need to have surgery to remove the tumor right away. Mm-hmm. Um, all this time, they really didn't tell me what kind of, I mean, what stage I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew a stage between two and three at that point. They mm-hmm. were still up in the air. They had to go in there to find out, I guess, by the sure. lymph node that they mm-hmm. removed and where it was at, if it spread a certain, if it spread to a certain area, that's how, I guess that's how they stage it. Mm-hmm. So I had my, so that was June and July. I had the, um, the surgery. They removed they removed all pre- I said I wanted a double mastectomy. I chose. She said I could have one, but I chose to have a double. Sure. Just because I didn't want to have to go through this ever mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And I figured I'd be less than the chances of it coming back because they said sometimes, you know, once you get it, it can come back. Mm-hmm. So I chose to have the double mastectomy. And then so you have your breast surgeon in there and then you have your plastic surgeon in there because mm-hmm. he's the one who's going to put expanders in there. So mm-hmm. the expanders are what keeps the mold of the breast so that when you do get your surgery, your mm-hmm. reconstruction, your breast is still that shape. Gotcha. So he puts the expanders in, and they take out the lymph node. They took out lymph node, my surgeon. So they work together, the breast surgeon and the plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. They're in the room together. You were asleep, so it was it was 14 hours long. Oh no, that, was, that, that was the reconstruction that was well, long. The uh, other one was they, about they eight hours. I got this for you. They were both long. <laughs> so... She's in surgery for 14 hours. What no, are you, what I'm are you doing? I'm in the waiting room going nuts. Now I've gotten really good I'd at it. I'd be at the bar probably. No, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should have bars at yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, The first one, you know, they told me it was going to be a long time. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But when, and you're in this big room waiting area with everybody else that's waiting for their family member that, mm-hmm. that's having surgery that mm-hmm. day. When I'm the only one left in the room, yeah, <laughs> that's when you start to get a little freaked. Yeah. Um, but the breast surgeon came out halfway through the surgery, said, you know, I think I got everything. That's great. 
um, the plastic surgeon's taken over. She should be done in another eight hours or whatever, however long right. it took. Wow. Um, so that was the first surgery, yeah. Yeah. I guess since I was asleep, I didn't realize how long it was, no. but... <laughs> so they get, through, they get through the surgery. You have a double mastectomy. They remove all the bad stuff, the tumors... Breast everything. tissue, everything, everything. breast, everything. They remove everything. So I'm basically empty. What do they do after that at that point? Now, are you at that point, are you cancer-free now, or you're still undergoing so chemo, you, radiation, all that stuff to so make I sure everything's working? So I still have to get radiation. Mm -hmm. After that, they decide, you know what, it's a good it's a good idea if you have radiation. So mm -hmm. the radiation is kind of an extra insurance sure. to make sure that you kill zap all of it. the mm -hmm. cells and zap everything. So they said, we have to wait a little while. You have to get mapped out. So they, what they do before radiation, they have to map you out. So mm -hmm. you're sitting in this radiation room, and they put tattoos basically on you to see where the lasers are going to hit. Mm -hmm. And they, so you have your own mold. So mm -hmm. that takes, takes a, like a few a couple of weeks. I start radiation in September after that. So July, I had my surgery. So you had the baby in January. Yes. We're fast forwarding now. July, you have the surgery. Right. Now we're September. We're talking about radiation, radiation. treatment. Okay. Yes. So radiation, they said it was going to be until November. Mm -hmm. And this was every single day. You had to go to the hospital. Well, it was part of the hospital. Probably when we saw you guys. Was okay. She was in radiation. Right. Yes, okay. I was. Remember, yeah. they had to give me permission yeah, to make sure. Had to get permission. Oh, wow. October okay. 17, it was around your birthday. Yep. Yes, mm -hmm. that we went. Uh, you guys had that month. Yeah, it was, 16, a second, it was like the second, second or third week of October, October. that year. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I was um, in radiation. Radiation for me, everybody is different for me was a lot worse than mm -hmm. chemo. Okay. It really takes a lot of, out of you. So mm -hmm. every day, every single day, Monday through Friday, except weekends, they give you the weekends off. Um, you're getting zapped. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you're getting zapped with this stuff. So the funny thing is that it takes longer to get undressed mm -hmm. than it does for the radiation to hit you. Right. So, you know, you're getting undressed and then, you know, you have all these people that are all getting radiation. You go in there, zap, zap, zap. It's really like around five minutes. Five mm -hmm. to nine minutes, if that. You come in, and it's like normal. People go to work. On a, like I know people that have gone to work. Sure. Um, I was taking care of my my uh, my newborn son and my toddler and my teenager at that point. Um, so I didn't know if I was tired because of the radiation or, or because the of the kids <laughs> or you know I would say a good or combination life. Of both. So you know, I said, but I kept saying radiation is taking a lot out of me. And I'd heard that, actually, my mother-in-law had some radiation, too, and she said, yeah, it takes a little bit out of you. So that, so then fast forward November. Mm -hmm. Now, here I'm having radiation with the expanders in. Mm -hmm. So the doctor said, um, actually, I'm sorry, be between radiation, between the surgery and radiation, I had to go see my breast surgeon mm -hmm. to make sure that the expanders and everything was okay. He actually took a needle and had to fill me up well, that's the part we forgot that's the expander part i'm sorry um and that's the best part for guys out there mm -hmm. <laughs> for all the men that's it, listening it, it's it's phenomenal because you remember those sneakers you know, the pumps were nike you can mm -hmm. pump them up mm -hmm. they take a um they take a needle with um saline in it mm -hmm. and they uh, this expander has a magnet and they mm -hmm. put the magnet on and they put an x on on her breast and they take a needle and they inject this saline and the breast just expands right it's like the most amazing hey thing. doc you put a couple everything. put a couple more pumps in there for me <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> i think i said that every, every time you, uh, maybe a little bit more you absolutely did say that but he's watching this he's like 
I'm just checking everything off my bucket list with you because <laughs> everything that I'm seeing, he's watching everything like, yeah. from the beginning. Right. And so I went. I, I got to tell you, to have that sense of humor during <laughs> all this stuff that's going on, I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, you, I you mean, kind of have to have to a listen, sense of humor. Yeah, to listen to you guys talk today and, and to, to hear some of these little things as you're going through probably one of the worst things that anyone could ever go through. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's really, it speaks volumes for the two of you. So I, I'm sorry, I want no, to interrupt. That's okay, but thank you. I just wanted to point that you out. You kind of have to have fun though, because you can't be you serious. And it's all, and it really is all about attitude. Because if you, I've, you know, you read about people, like I have joined so many, you know, I'm not good on Facebook. I'm terrible with Facebook, especially because I have a teenager and right. she has Snapchat. So mm-hmm. I, I have to kind of have Snapchat because of her. Yeah, you got to watch it. <laughs> So she, I, I, so the, he's doing this and I said, is this going to affect my radiation? And he's like, well, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Everything is, we'll play by ear. Mm-hmm. So when I went to go get mapped out, they couldn't, they couldn't map me out because of the size. Because of the expanders. So I had to go back to him and he had to deflate me a yeah. little. So here's the worst day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he took the same needle and right. just sucked the stuff out. You're and like, it was Whoa. like, oh man. <laughs> and you did say that. Uh, <laughs> so it was weird to watch it go up. I'm like, I feel like I'm a toy. Like you're deflating me, inflating right, me. Right. So he's like, oh, this is. Don't worry, this is just temporary. Mm-hmm. So go get mapped out. Everything's fine. Fast forward to you guys, mm-hmm. and then you. First of all, the NJF MBA is wonderful. The everybody there was. You guys were amazing, especially that we were going through all this. Like you guys were just so nice. So accommodating, you know, with the kids, you know, patient. I mean, some of you didn't have kids at that time. So you, it was nice that you guys understood that we had to bring our children because, you know, to to go through this and think, oh, my goodness, I don't want to leave my children at home. So you guys let us. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was an absolute honor for us to be able to host you guys for that event, bring you down and kind of, uh, you know, give you a little bit of a break away from all the crap that you had to deal with back home to be able to you know come down spend a couple days with us enjoy your time dave got to play a little bit of golf <laughs> and uh some fishing and <laughs> and uh and he got to and spend it was his birthday that weekend yeah, it was his right. birthday that weekend so. so honestly no i mean it was absolutely our pleasure to have you guys down there and, and uh, we're glad that we were able nice. to do it so now take us from there. uh take us from from flash uh you're at that point you're still going through radiation when do you finally hit your remission so November, I had my last radiation mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks after I came back from the trip in South it was South Carolina. Yep. Okay. So then they, they said, okay, from now on, you're just going to get examined every few weeks. So I said, okay, so am I cancer-free? Right. Like, that's what you think about. Like, right. So she's like, you never want to say cancer-free. Sure. They say that you never want to say cancer-free. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're good right now. You're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I Let's said, buy some okay, Dom Perignon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then they're like, okay, well, now we just wait because we have to wait six months before I can mm-hmm. get my reconstruction. Right. So then I said, okay, so in the meantime, you have your appointment with the breast surgeon mm-hmm. to, so that he knows where you're going to be at, like what we're doing. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm great. Yeah. I'm cancer-free. Sure. We're... I started to work out again, mm-hmm. so it was great. I was able to work Going out. Going back to your regular yeah. everyday life, what yeah. you knew before you were diagnosed. Exactly. And uh, kind of get back into your, your normal routine. Yep. Yeah. 
and so 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 take us now November you're in remission uh, you and go through the doctor seeing the doctor on a weekly basis, or, or a month, and then after that, it's like a monthly basis, and you then they switch it to. And you have your reconstruction. You gotta so go. You gotta wait six months, right? Yes. Get so your reconstruction. May fifth, um, we had the reconstruction, mm-hmm. and that's Another the one. That was yeah. the one that was long. Yeah. So what happened was that because of the radiation, so he said, okay, we're gonna go in there. I had a deep flap. So I didn't have implants put in. So mm-hmm. my kind of reconstruction was going to take a little bit longer because what they do is it's kind of a underrated tummy tuck. I wish it was a tummy tuck, but you, especially because I had, this was my third child. Mm-hmm. I had C-sections. I had three C-sections. So what they did is they take the blood supply from your stomach and like some of the stuff from your stomach, the, the extra, I guess, fat, fat and everything. Mm-hmm. And they make, they make breasts out of them. Wow. So it's not like you're having an implant put inside of right. you. And which is, I was concerned about that because I'd heard horror stories. Like if you have an implant, sometimes they leak or something. Sure, yeah. I didn't want to have a foreign object. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. There's a lot of women that are love, I have friends that have implants and mm-hmm. they love their implants. I just, I guess because I was going through all of this, I didn't want to have to go through this again. Mm-hmm. And I felt if it, as if I had an implant with my luck because everything with me is always like, what if you know, only one out of ten this happens. So I'm always that You're one. That one out of, I'm always yeah. that mm-hmm. one. So, you know, so I had the deep flap and he's he's in the hospital. He sees a doctor that we know. So he's talking to him. So he's in there outside waiting. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm, again, she's asleep. <laughs> she sleeps through all this stuff. Right. I'm the one that has to go now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the, the big waiting room again. Mm-hmm. I saw a friend of mine who's a doctor. He's one of them. Hannah's soccer coaches comes over. He's like, "What the hell are you doing here?" I'm like, "Well, Anna's getting a reconstruction." He's like, "Oh, you're gonna be here a while." Yeah. <laughs> so sure enough, like eight right. o'clock that night, I'm still the I'm the only one in, left in the waiting room, and but uh, deja vu. Yeah, deja vu. All but for again. but for a better reason this right, time. Right. I'm much more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so what happened was that the reason it took so long is because remember those expanders that mm-hmm. I had in? Yeah. So they're plastic, and because of the radiation, they melt it onto uh, my skin. So mm-hmm. he said it took him about three and a half hours just to get that off. To get that off. Mm-hmm. So he did the reconstruction, and you know it's kind of like having a few C-sections at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more painful than a C-section. I remember sitting there and saying, "How do people get tummy tucks? How do people get? Why do people get elective surgery? Like I don't understand why they do this to themselves. This is a lot of pain." Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, eh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be about eight weeks before you feel normal. Wow. And I'm like, eight weeks? I was like, that's the whole summer. Like, yeah. So he, two, three days go by, and I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the hospital two mm-hmm. to three days, and I said to the doctor, I don't know, I just don't something I don't feel right. And of course, he looks at my left breast and the flap dies. It's all purple. So the flap, so these are these flaps. How do I explain the flap? So it's it's science that's beyond I think both of us. Yes. Mm -hmm. The the breast the it was almost as if blood was pooling on the bottom. Gotcha. So it was turning purple. Mm -hmm. And of course that's the one percent chance that something would go wrong. Right. The one in ten, here it is again. So Mm -hmm. here we are again within a week she's back in the emergency or not in the emergency room, excuse me, the operating room. And he's fixing it up. It takes him an hour. Sure. You know, it's not a big deal. Right, right. But, of course, 
another surgery that I'm in the waiting room for. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, of course, it makes your breast look different because here at first when you're having the deep lap, they say it's going to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they remove everything. Sometimes women decide that they want to keep their nipple. Mm -hmm. I said I want everything out. I don't care. I, I'm married. <laughs> you know, he, if he not wants to go, anywhere. he can. But right, I'm, you right, know, so. right, exactly. At this point, you're not going anywhere, right? <laughs> you're mean, in for the long you haul now. all your bucket list. Yeah. yeah. So I said... I, this is this is me. I don't care. These are mm -hmm. my battle scars. So um, they take everything out. I come back, do the surgery, and then here I am. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, I'm in pain. You have drains. They put these drains in, in you. So I had four drains. And every single day, if you're lucky enough to have a husband that likes to do this stuff, then you have drain, so he's draining them, and mm -hmm. they look like chicken I think fat. like is a... Is yeah, a, I was... Gonna, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's pretty, really going to like pretty it. Pretty disgusting, but, but, you know. Right. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky. <laughs> so, some people have higher nurses to come in and do mm -hmm. this. He wanted to do everything. So, we go through this, and everything's fine now. He's yeah, fast forward to... Fast, so then you have to have about three surgeries to kind of make sure that everything is right. Mm -hmm. So I think it was about two or three surgeries during the summertime just to make sure that the mold is right. Where, where are we in time now? What so year this is this? This um, is 2015. Okay. So Chase is a year old. Okay. Courtney is two years old. Mm -hmm. And almost three. And then Hannah is 14. So... Here we are. This, so May of 2015, I had the reconstruction. Mm -hmm. A week later, I had the other... The issue with yeah. the pooling. Mm -hmm. And then, so I want to say August, I had one more surgery to kind of the mold, to fix, fix things, uh, mm -hmm. fix the scar. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of August, he said, we're going to do the nipple reconstruction. So what he does is he cuts um, kind of like a Chevy sign in the middle of the breast mm -hmm. and he folds it to make a nipple he okay. makes his own nipple gotcha and then <laughs> he says you know for some women this helps them mentally because you're looking in the mirror and sure. you're actually seeing mm -hmm. a nipple because for a lot of women it affects them just looking at them sure um especially for you know i can imagine for single women that don't have a husband mm -hmm. so they're thinking oh my goodness who's gonna like me after this sure um so then I had the tattoo artist comes in, like he has this tattoo artist that comes in a few weeks later. She matches your color and then she tattoos around where he cut. So it looks like a real nipple. Yeah. And that was in September. Yeah, I got to watch that too. <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool because it was, you know, sometimes you can be self-conscious about scars and stuff like that. But yeah. they, they tattooed this nipple on. Mm-hmm. And as they're putting the tattoo, you kind of everything kind of disappears, and all you see is it looks normal. You yeah. know, it's it's kind of amazing. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. You like that? Huh? That was that was a cool one for you. you did you that now, one. David? Did you get a tattoo too while this is going on? No, <laughs> just for I mean, you know. <laughs> no Your mom would kill you first of all. Yeah. <laughs> so then that was September. Mm -hmm. So that was a uh, yeah September of 2015. So October. I had been having this stomach pain for mm -hmm. a while, so I didn't say anything because I figured it's normal from the surgeries sure, and everything, everything that's gone mm -hmm. on. Yeah. So one day, like he actually saw me be in that pain, and he's mm -hmm. like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, oh, "I've been having this pain." He's like, "You're in a lot of pain," and I was, and I, I always 
downplay. You can't get anything past me. You know? Yeah, sure. I always right. downplayed it, right. but I never said anything to anyone because I figured it's normal. So I just, so he saw my face. He's like, no, you're in a lot of pain and you're not telling me. And I said, I'm in some pain. And he's like, I'm calling Dr. Wagmiller. So he calls my oncologist. And she's like, huh, you know what? Have her come in. I hadn't even talked to her, but I had, you know, all the paperwork said he's allowed to call them whenever. Mm-hmm. So that was October. Mm-hmm. We get scans done, and um, October. 8th. It wasn't. It wasn't even related to the abdominal pain because the abdominal pain was probably the scar from you know the surgery. Um, the scan showed something in her lungs. Unbelievable. So, so you go in for something where you think you got yeah. something going on with your yeah. intestinal tract. You get the scans done. They do a full body scan, only to find out now you've got a spot in your lung. Yep. And go on. Tell us what goes on from there. So then that doctor, we waited a week, and I'm like, it's already a week. What's going on? Yeah, they did a biopsy of, of, of the lungs. Yeah. And so that showed that I had two spots, and she said. So that that doctor I didn't know very well because mm-hmm. they sent me that to that doctor, sure. and then so I went back to the oncologist, and I we already knew. I I, I just knew, he knew. So right, here's that she, one in ten again. I mean, yep, because she said, you know, eh, you're you're fine now. So we go back, and she started to tear up, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's okay. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say, which is. It's nice to know that she, like, that she cared, like, as a doctor, because, you sure. know, doctors, you're their patients. It's, like, normal to them. Like, you know, they have to tell their patients that they have cancer. But I had built such a good relationship with mm-hmm. my doctor. And she's young, too. So it's, like, you know, like, when you have somebody that can relate. Yeah. So she's, like, I don't I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. Like, sometimes this happens. It's so are they saying that the breast cancer metastasized to the lung, or this is a completely different type so of cancer? They, at, well, at that, yeah, at that point, they didn't really know. Because mm-hmm. it, yeah, they were testing it, but they were pretty sure it was good. Or what did you guys decide to do? Because of the three children that we have, mm-hmm. because of time, I mean, of course, you always, everybody always says, go to Sloan Kettering. Mm-hmm. You know, that's go to the, New York. Go to New York. That's right. the first. Um, she, she said NYU Langoon, uh, Sloan Kettering, and RCNJ all three of them are very good, mm-hmm. all very well-known names. Because of where we live at, we chose Rutgers Cancer mm-hmm. Institute of New Jersey. So she had known someone in every spot. So she said, they're all good. She got in contact with, she's like, wherever you go, I can get in contact with somebody there, mm-hmm. and they will take care of you. Mm-hmm. So we so go there. There were similar trials. You know, yes. You can get the same, Trial, yeah. same thing here as you can there. Right, right. So that was another thing. It was the same trial that was being offered in Sloan Kettering was being offered at Rutgers. Okay. It was being offered at NYU Longoon. So we decided Rutgers. So we go there, and they're like, well, there's a trial, but you have to qualify for it. Mm-hmm. And in order to qualify for it, we kind of have to do a biopsy on you and do a small surgery where they open you up and take mm-hmm. a piece, a sample. And if so I'm that, back in the waiting room. <laughs> back in the waiting room for another 14 hours. No, no. no. <laughs> start calling you waiting room. Something like that. We're going to start calling you waiting room Dave. <laughs> waiting room Dave. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so then they, they take it out. They take the, they, what they do is they take samples out and they send them to different places. And so apparently I had this um, 
this mutation, PDL1 mutation, that if you have that mutation, you qualify for this trial. Mm-hmm. So they put me, uh, so I qualify and I start the trial December 2015. Yeah, it's, a, it's an immunotherapy trial as opposed to chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cutting edge. I mean, nowadays you hear immunotherapy on all kinds of commercials and Patriot, that type of thing. Right. Um, it's kind of normal. At that point, we, I'd never heard of immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what, it, what it does is the drug kind of stimulates your own immune system to recognize um, in this the, case, the mutation mm-hmm. on, on the and cancer cell off. and to fight it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what's, what's better than your own body to kill cancer? Right. And it's pretty amazing that, that the science behind it, you, at that point in time, we never realized right. that, that was is, even an option. This is 2015 yeah. we're talking, right? right? So, I mean, we're three years ahead, almost four years ahead right. now, and this is something that's right. now considered <clears throat> cutting-edge technology in terms of battling yeah. cancer. You guys are going through this three years ago, which is <coughs> clinical, and now yeah. it's out of clinical and becoming an actual treatment option. I actually have a friend of mine who her brother was part of the team that they started this, like, a few long Mm-hmm. Well, like he's so much he's so far like he's so separated from the people like mm-hmm. he's in there and he's they couldn't he's talk about it drug. he doesn't yeah. get to he doesn't get to deal with people you know to right. see the see the effect of what he's working on so right when i think we ran into them at a wedding yes and he was so excited to meet her it's like oh my god it's like somebody that is actually okay. benefiting from this this thing that i've been working on for right. 10 years right that's pretty incredible you know, and, and in fact he he says you know, it's amazing to think that in just a couple of years, this will be, you know, metastatic cancer will be a, a chronic problem mm-hmm. instead of a, a, you know, a death sentence. Right. Of course, I'm thinking, well, hurry up. But right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, they said that the trial was going to be for two years. They have to make sure, I have to get scanned every nine to 12 weeks. They mm-hmm. scan me to make sure that it's actually working. And the first time, it was November, in December that I had it, of 2015, they scanned me in January, the end of January, and then in February when I went for my treatment. So I'm going for treatment every three weeks with this one. And like he said, it uses your own body mm-hmm. plus the drug. Mm-hmm. Those two combined, it's supposed to um, minimize the cancers shrink in your body mm-hmm. and shrink them. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I got scanned, they ran in the room and they couldn't wait. Actually, she told you, the nurse yeah, told you. It's funny because I'm the worrier, I guess. So right. they ran past her, kind of like pushed her out of the way, uh-huh. like, like in those movies. And they were like, "It's working! It's working!" To me, and I'm like, "Oh, that's great! Why don't we tell her?" <laughs> tell her because she's the one going through it. Yeah, but you they know, knew like, they knew that you're waiting yeah, room I'm Dave, the, though. So <laughs> pacing Dave. back and forth in the waiting room, <laughs> they had to give you the information first. So yeah. So, so then she tells she then she tells me, and I'm like, "That's great!" And they're like, "Are you happy?" And I was like, "I knew it was gonna work." So they were like, oh, that's right. She, I, I just, I always have faith. I always think that sure. everything happens for a mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. I feel that I was, uh, this sounds really weird. I was given this because I feel like through me, they're going to find a cure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that sounds really weird. No, it doesn't. But I just feel like I have to, because I'm, because I'm a fighter, because I don't like to, I don't like to let anybody win. <laughs> and I'm not letting this cancer win. I but assure you of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so, Dave, do you want to yeah, weigh in no, on that? No, I'm done. Yeah, she wins. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, so they said, so we can keep going. Mm-hmm. So they said it's two years, the trial. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few people on it. Um, so I go every three weeks, and 
Of course, there's side effects. You're still going through this now? So. <laughs> okay. Um, the side effects are, you know, chronic pain, like the pain in your body. You feel like you have the flu every mm -hmm. day. So every time, every day I wake up, oh. it feels like you have the flu because your body aches. Like I can't, I can't physically do anything until I take my pain medication right. in the morning. Like mm -hmm. that's just, but it's okay. I mean, it could, like I say, I, you know, I always say it could be worse. Okay. Like I could be hooked up to an IV 24 seven. Mm -hmm. So of course in the net, in, so 2015, 2016, I start feeling something in my neck, mm -hmm. and they, I think they think it's cold. I think it's cold. So at the end of 2017, 2000, no, 2016, yeah. 2016, you notice it, so they kind of watch it. Mm. Um, and at that and point, it's just it's just a pain. It's just kind of like a, a you know you get uh -huh. a swollen gland. Right, right. And um, so I think it was in 2016 oh, they they 17. 17 last year, yeah. When I had the, the radiation, yeah. yeah. Well, they test it, and it comes back. And it comes back. Hey, guess what you have? Right. In your neck. You're the one in ten. Here it comes again. Yeah. Um, and so you're in the waiting room again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> At this point, they're gonna dedicate that yeah. waiting room to you. They're gonna name it <laughs> the, Dave, the, the David, David Harper, Harper waiting room. Uh, waiting room. Yeah. yeah. So they so they were like, okay, where they aspirated it. That's what they did. Yeah. yeah they aspirated it. And mm -hmm. actually, you were not in the waiting room no, that day. I said right. to him, you can wait outside. This is gonna be really quick. Meanwhile, I'm inside actually getting surgery, and the doctor's like, is there anybody here with you? And I'm like, oh, I told him it was no biggie. He's like, you're going to be here a while. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So then I, I text him. I had my phone. I remember having my phone next to me in the surgery, in the, like in the operating room, and my alarm goes off to pick up the kids. And I'm like, oh, shh. And they're like, what is that noise? And I had the phone underneath here. <laughs> I'll never forget that as they're taking a sample from my neck. So then they were like, okay, so it comes back positive. I have radiation. Uh -huh. And then the, the, my, my um, radiation oncologist, um, he comes back after the rounds of radiation. They're like, it worked. It's, it's, it's gone. It's gone. So he's like, since it worked, we're going to try something sure. on your lung, on mm -hmm. the other lung. Because they can't do the target one because that's the one that's under um, the trial. Under the trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Then, yeah, because this was last. So then he's like, I'm going to try it on your lung. So I'm like, okay. So more radiation to my You're lung. Like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> just just pile it on. Bring it yeah. on. And it's not like, like the radiation. I, you know, the radiation that melted the, the stuff. Uh, you mentioned that before. Yeah. This is like so targeted. Mm -hmm. High dose. Radiation. High dose. Uh, pinpointed target. You know, you look at the wall in, in the oncology department at, at Rutgers, and there's pictures of the doctors, and, the, and like the first, the, her doctor is the first picture, and then the second doc, uh, the second picture is a, a physicist. Mm -hmm. So I never knew what a physicist did until until you go through yeah, this. Yeah, and then you go through this, and it's like, oh, all right, great, they're pinpointing this radiology yeah. or this radiation to go into the one specific area. So then, so we had a few rounds of that. That was right before Thanksgiving last year. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, in December, he's like, it worked. Wow. Like, there's, he took us back into this black, that's his black room. And he's like so excited. And he's like, radiation works on you. So I said, you know what, doc? I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, you feel tired or whatever. But if, I zap me every once in a while. It's right. okay. So he's like. So then fast forward to this year, and then July, they saw something again. Unbelievable. And they're like, um, we're going to try radiation on you. Yeah. So then 
you do radiation again, again, high dose of radiation. And it's, it's a little longer than the one that I had before. This one is Now, this is the one you were happened. talking about. You guys were going to go on a trip? You were going somewhere? So, no, that's, no, 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 <laughs> that's another okay. one. Oh, boy. So then that was in, July, in August. I had radiation right. this past August. Uh -huh. And then now we can fast forward yeah, to... And latter part of August, she gets her scans. And, and they've been watching something on her appendix mm -hmm. for the better part of a year. It's kind of stable... Run-of-the-mill uh, doctor would say it looks like she has appendicitis, but she has no symptoms. So the, 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 the her team is just like, well, let's watch it. Mm -hmm. So they watch it for a year, and in, in the latter part of the summer, her scan comes back. It gets a little bit bigger. So they decide, well, let's just it's time to go take it out. Sure. So another surgery, another waiting room. Another waiting room, another surgery. <laughs> yeah. I like that waiting room, Dave. It's yeah. good, though. <laughs> so that was May. I'm sorry. In May of this year, I had the um, right. appendectomy. Yeah, mm -hmm. so sorry. We are fast forward to the three months. But, uh, so go back to May of this year. Okay. I had the appendectomy, and okay. I had a colectomy. Okay. So when he went in there, he took out my appendix, and while he was in there, he took out part of my colon. Mm -hmm. They found, they found some spots something. there. Yeah. So then, so then I was in the hospital in May, and... Everything went well with that surgery. And then a week and a half later, I had treatment. And I go to the doctor, and all the nurses said to me, are you okay? And I didn't feel well that day. Mm -hmm. Something was off, but my nurses, right away, they just knew. They were like, are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I just, I'm, I'm having an off day. They were like, no, you're not yourself. Right. I usually go in there. It's like I know all the nurses there. I know every single one, every single one of those nurses. I don't see why you would know <laughs> all the nurses at this point. So they're like, and it's funny because I, another thing, nurses always remember if you're a hard sick. I'm mm -hmm. a really hard sick because I can only get, so when you get, when you get lymph nodes removed, mm -hmm. like if you have breast cancer on the right side or if on the left side, if you get lymph nodes, a certain amount of lymph nodes removed on that side, you can't use that side for blood pressure, for right. needles, for anything. So I can only get my IVs on my left side unless okay. I get a port. Right. And right. some people like to get a port. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a port. Yeah. I had all my chemo was everything. I never had a port. Mm -hmm. So I can only get it on the left-hand side. So, of course, the nurses remember me because I'm a hard stick. That's right. another reason why they remember me. So... Um, they're all like, something is wrong. My main nurse, Alyssa, which has been such, she's been so great. Um, they, they always assign a nurse to you, like a research nurse, and she's just always been so on top of everything. Any single time I need blood work or whatever, she's just always there to emails me. So a week and a half later, um, she, so this is a week and a half later, and she's like, are you sure you're okay? So this was on a Thursday. That's when I get my treatments every mm -hmm. three Thursdays. And I was like, I'm okay. The next day, so then my oncologist, my surgical oncologist comes in to see me. And he's like, you're wheezing a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's, I had a, like a little cough. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, and I said to him, I said, I, I'm having problems with my stomach, like my intestines. He's like, you know, you had major surgery, abdominal mm -hmm. surgery from mm -hmm. the appendectomy and the colectomy. Sometimes that happens, you know, you just got out of surgery last week, like you're, you're going to be in some pain for yeah. a while. So I said, okay, the next day, my mother-in-law just happened to be with me helping me. Um, they live in Virginia. So it's like for us to have care, like I have some friends that help us, mm -hmm. which are great in the community. But then like my mother-in-law, when she comes up, like she's there. I don't really have to worry about anything, you know, like, so she looks at me and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't feel well. She's like, well, maybe you need to eat something. So I'm like, 
okay, so I had half a cracker. Within 15 minutes, I start throwing up. Yeah. And then she's like, do you want me to call somebody? So then I text David, and I'm like, I don't feel well. I haven't eaten. I ate half a cracker, and I'm, I got sick. And he's like, I'm calling the doctor. So he calls the doctor, and they're like, meet us in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. So we go to the emergency room, and... They do a CAT scan and they're like, you have an obstruction in your bowel, in your bowel. So that's kind of the after effects of having abdominal surgery. She's right. Had right. You know, the intestines don't scar tissue, don't start up the way they should. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's another week in the hospital. <laughs> so that's when they tell me I have, I have an alias, which I had never heard of an alias, but it's apparently common after you have that kind of surgery. Mm-hmm. So it's an obstruction. And the only way to get that is. To have an NG tube. Oh, okay. So, an NG tube, which is probably the worst thing I've ever... I know that it sounds bad because I know I've had cancer right. and this. The NG tube is probably the worst thing in the whole entire world. Because what they do is they take this uh, tube, long tube, about, I don't know, four feet of, of tubing. Uh, three feet. And, yeah. And they put it through your nose. Uh-huh. And it goes through the back of your throat uh-huh. and into your intestines. Mm-hmm. And they do that while you're awake. Yeah. So here you are not feeling well. And then there's this doctor or nurse in the emergency room. They have to do it too mm-hmm. because they want to make sure that you're okay. So they, they try the first time and nothing. I'm, I'm here getting sick mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. So David is watching all this. The second time, the tube started strangling me. So I took it out and I threw it at the doctor. I felt horrible. <laughs> and the third time, it went in, but there was... He said he was looking at Reagan from The Exorcist. He said he <laughs> <laughs> was disgusting. But So this is how bad it is because they're trying to do this, but you're getting sick at the same time because there's something... And Locking they're telling you to swallow at the same time. So they give you like a glass of... Uh, a, a cup of water with mm-hmm. a straw. And they're like, you need to swallow. I guess you have the way you have to have your throat so that they can put the tube inside so it goes to your... So it goes to the back of your throat and into your, down to your stomach. And so they're draining you. So they had this in me for two days. Mm-hmm. And finally, the... The it, obstruction passed. Yes. Or got, so I was, mm-hmm. in the, I was in there. After, having, after being in there a week, a week and a half later, I was in there for a few days, about five days or so, almost a week. Let me tell you, the stuff that comes out of you oh. is just disgusting. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I'm going to have to put an R rating on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, you never. He said he could never look at a kale drink again because yeah. it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. And so. So now this was when this that was, was in June. This is in June of this year. July, you go through so the. Then August, I go through radiation. August, you go through radiation. More radiation for mm-hmm. my lungs, and and now then, how how has that gone since you've had the radiation? Is that gone, or are you still? So dealing I had with that? the radiation, and I did well. Of mm-hmm. course, it has. What I did notice, it has affected like. I, I cough mm-hmm. every now and then. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have emphysema. I know it's not as bad as emphysema. There are people that have emphysema and it's so bad. But mm-hmm. I feel like I'm constantly coughing. Um, I lose my voice mm-hmm. every once in a while. Like, I don't know if you've noticed my voice changed a little bit. So it's just, I guess I'm talking. It sure. happens. Yeah. Um, I have shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. And so that, it, it, it's affected that way. But at the same time, it's eliminated that 
tumor yeah. that I had in my So body. where where are you guys at with the so cancers now? now? Cancer, so now you're I've, you're in remission? I'm no. You're I'm always going to have it. You're always so that's another have thing. It. So because mm-hmm. I'm stage four metastatic, mm-hmm. it's in me, it's 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 spread. So I mean it's in my lungs right now. Um so I was on the trial mm-hmm. and then um fast forward to September. Mm-hmm the day before our Arizona trip. So we're going to Arizona to christen my cousin's daughter. And the day before our trip, I did not feel well. Okay. And here I am. <laughs> I, my so head, I had to take my son. Yeah. Similar symptoms to the, to the ileus. Take her to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Ten days later, we're having surgery. Now it's surgery because they can see a blockage. It looks like a tumor mm-hmm. in her small intestine now. So they, they do a surgery. They put an More NG weight. tube. Don't forget oh, about yeah. the, in the emergency room. Another room. I don't want to minimize the NG tube. Right, right. <laughs> um, surgery. Um, they remove a section of her small intestine, kind of put it back together. Mm-hmm. Um, comes back positive, positive for, for, for breast cancer. Wow. Which is no, great. I, I mean, yeah, so I you, know. have, you have breast cancer in your breast. You have breast cancer in your lungs. You have breast cancer in your throat. You have breast cancer in your appendix. You have breast cancer in your small intestines now. Yeah. I, I gotta tell you, <laughs> the next time that Marvel decides to do uh, some kind of <laughs> Avengers movie, we are gonna do a casting and ask them to have you do a casting because of all these cancers so far, you've knocked them all out, <laughs> and you would make the next perfect Avenger. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so then they were like, um, so while I'm in the hospital, because mm-hmm. it's across the street from it's Robert Wood Johnson, so that's another thing I have to. Which is another reason why we chose sure. in case anything like this happened mm-hmm. in the future. It's just New Jersey. It's not going over the bridge. Mm-hmm. It's you know, all the costs that right. people don't realize. There's so many costs involved in, and we were talking about this yeah. before, mm-hmm. like the tolls and the gas and the parking and just everything. And all, there's so many costs that add up. Like, I mean, all the times that he was coming back and forth in the hospital to see me, that's $6 every single day that he's paying, and there's gas, and it's 50 minutes away from our yeah. house. So yeah. Imagine if you're in New York, it's going to be yeah. Yeah. 6 bucks. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's why we chose mm-hmm. you know, New Jersey, um, Rutgers and Robert Wood Johnson. So that was two and a half weeks ago I had surgery. Actually, three weeks now. Wow, unbelievable. And so while I'm in there, they were like, you know, I said, I don't understand. How did this not show up in the CAT scan? two weeks ago that I had. Right. And they're like, oh, well, we saw an inflammation. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so I go to my oncologist to get treatment last week. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you know, there was an inflammation. Um, so it's not really like when, when there's a mass, you can actually see like sure. the ball. Yeah. This is the way they were explaining it. It's an inflammation in the intestine. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a cluster mm-hmm. of cancers, I mm-hmm. guess the way they were explaining it. So, when I went to get my treatment last Thursday, she's like, you're not getting treatment today. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> so we were like, I thought I was getting treatment. I go to the infusion center because I usually try and get my IV first because it's mm-hmm. so hard. Mm-hmm. So we're there a week and a, a week ago last yeah. week. And she's like, so we're going to take you off the trial. And I'm like, huh? but that's been saving my life. Right. Why are you <laughs> taking me off yeah, the trial? Why are you taking me off the trial? They're like... Um, we're going to try something different on you. We're going to try chemo and this trial. And in order for you to get this shot of chemo, you have to be off the trial because Merck won't. There's a lot of restrictions yeah. when you're on mm-hmm. trial. You know, any single time you have surgery, you have to ask for permission from Merck. Right. So the 
the the treatment that they've been giving me this, that I've been on a trial, it's called Keytruda, which is also Pemberley Zumab, it's called. But mm -hmm. uh, you see the commercials for it all the time, Keytruda. It helps Jimmy Carter with his... So it's approved for lung cancer and melanoma. Mm -hmm. It's not approved for breast cancer. Gotcha. So, but I've been getting it. And I was supposed to be off the trial last December because it was mm -hmm. only a two-year trial. But mm -hmm. since it was working so well, they said, Let's we're going to keep it. you on mm -hmm. it. It was keeping the cancer at bay. Well... But because of what just happened, so I said I was okay to travel. Like what hap Like what happens if this happens again? Like right. I, I could have been on the plane. I could, you yeah, know. So that it, that's major. why I said mm -hmm. it could have been worse. I, I could have been on the plane. I could have been in Arizona. They don't know my history. Sure. It happened like literally hours before our flight. So they said, so we're gonna start you on this chemo boost, and you're gonna still have the drug. Um, so the idea. The theory is that it you, you keep the immunotherapy to keep things at bay, mm -hmm. and these little areas that are popping up, we're going to give it a little boost with chemo to kind of right um, the hot spots, so to speak, out, you're wipe things out. Yep. But you know, th there are studies that with the two of these drugs together, mm -hmm. there's there's pretty good results with the type of cancer yeah. she has. So yeah, uh, that's that's the theory. So that's where we're at. Right yeah, now. I'm, so I'm, I start I, Monday. I'm, ama <laughs> I'm amazed right now, <laughs> to be honestly, to be sitting here talking to you two. One, the attitudes that you both have with everything you've gone through, uh, the smiles that are on your faces. We're able to sit here and, and, and laugh about some of these things you've been going through. And uh, to me, it's honestly, it's, it's inspiring. I mean, to, to have that attitude um, and go through this in such a positive light, in such a positive manner, I really hope that anybody that listens to this is going to, recognize that, take that, and say to themselves, you know, um, when they're having a bad day or something like that, let's go back and listen to Anna and David talk, and maybe it'll put them in the right frame of mind and say, you know what, maybe what I'm going through right now is, isn't half as bad as what these folks have had to go through. The one thing that I've learned waiting in the waiting room yeah. is that, you know, attitude is everything. Yeah. Because you, you, you talk to people and you, you see all kinds of people that are going through this stuff, and mm -hmm. then I'm just a guy sitting there in the waiting room these people are going through cancer and they want to talk to, to somebody. Yeah. And, you know, what I say, and the, of course, she comes walking by every once in a while, whether it be for radiation treatment. Right. And they're like, that's your wife? I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, you know, I tell everybody, attitude is everything. Yeah. I just follow her lead. It's it's not it's not something that I'm doing. It, it's She's got the attitude, and she, she sets the tone for everybody in our household. And, yeah. I, and I think it's a successful outlook on going through cancer. If, it, if you could write a textbook on going through cancer, she should be the, the author Yeah. because she's, she's done it right, and yeah. it's just a matter of following her lead. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, amazing. but you have to have somebody like him behind sure, you. So sure, there's a support system, that. absolutely. You, you, the best support system in the world is, you know, my rock, which I always say is my husband. Yeah. So. If you guys, if you, if you could give uh, anybody out there, I mean, maybe that was it. Maybe that was the piece of advice. But if you could uh, put a message out to somebody here that's listening to this, that maybe is going through the same thing. Maybe they're going through breast cancer treatment now. Um, they're having a rough time with it. What would that be? Stay positive. Stay faithful. There's a reason why everything happens, and it could always be worse. I always, I always say it could always be worse. I mean, yes, we've gone through a lot, 
a lot more than people may know. I mean, I ran into somebody yesterday, and she's like, do you have it again? And I'm like, I, I've had Where it. Been? I've right. had it. Right. No, well, she didn't know. No. It wasn't her fault. But she didn't know, and she didn't realize. And she's like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea that you've mm-hmm. been going through treatment this whole time. And I said, it's okay. She's like, but you look. That's another thing. I try, for women, I know it's hard because we identify ourselves with having hair. And, sure. Um, I think that you have to, I, I know it's hard to be positive. I mean, it's it's been hard. I'm not saying it's easy. There's been times where, especially last week when we got the news that I have to start chemo again, he was mad. He was so mad. He was mad at God. Yeah. He was oh. mad at everybody. And he's like, are you kidding me again? Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't easy, but every single time I think about it, I'm like, you know what, babe? Everything happens for a reason. This is So she's trying to get us in another trial. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to to qualify for that trial, I have to have tried this, what I'm going to be this trying on, starting be... on Monday. Okay. So it's like, this is basically a bridge. Gotcha. Hopefully to get Not me. Not only is it, is it a bridge that has shown success in other people. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a bridge to get to, to the next, to the next step, to the next step. And, mm-hmm. I, and again, staying positive is one thing, but I, another thing I would tell people that are going through this, there are options out there that weren't there a year ago, mm-hmm. five years ago, sure. certainly 10 years ago. Um, and, and things are changing by the minute and, and dealing with the folks at, at Rutgers and at, and at RWJ, they're, they're scientists and they're yeah. trying to, they're trying, it frustrates them that they can't, figure out the cure because they know they're so close to stuff sure um but there are options out there and and if if anybody's out there is going through this uh, and they and they have an option where they can go through a clinical trial try it yeah try it you know i was skeptical at first when we first came across the clinical trial because mm-hmm. i'm thinking all right she's gonna get a placebo or she's right. not gonna we i want something that works mm-hmm. I, I want the chemo yeah and you know what i've learned over the last three years is if if you don't try something that hasn't been proven, you're never going to find that cure. Right. And that's what's frustrating for those scientists and those doctors is they need they need people to kind of accept and embrace new things. Right. Because you could be the proof. You could be you could be mm-hmm. the answer to everything that yeah. you've been looking for. Yeah. How uh, how are the kids doing? So how's one? How's your son that was the the ten? I got two I got two boys of my own. I'm good in that department right now. I'll I'll, I'll have my wife answer that question. She'll probably give the same answer. But um, it's a lot harder being the, at home. The ten pound chemo red devil baby. He is, is he a, is he a red devil? Is he a red devil now? He's um. Yeah, he's daredevil. Well, yeah, he's daredevil. Um. He's a he's a Ranger fan. Oh, and okay. You're a Devil fan, yes, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. he um he's great. He at first he's a little shy at first. Mm-hmm. He just started preschool, mm-hmm. so we see the difference in him. Um, over the past three weeks. Yeah. Um, the first ten days, like the September, was really rough because I was in the hospital. Yeah. Um, it was rough for them. Yeah. To see me in the hospital, but sure. For him to go back and forth, it was yeah. hard. And your uh, your older daughter now so is seventeen. Seven, she just turned seventeen okay. last week. So she just got her license. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> you guys live in Springfield. Okay, in Springfield. I'll stay. That's I'll stay away from Springfield <laughs> for the time being. She's a pretty good driver. Yeah. Was, but we haven't seen her since. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was frustrated at first because when I was teaching her how to drive, I said. You're going to listen to everything I say because if you listen to me, I promise you that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And at first she was like, but I want to do this. And I'm like, you just trust me. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you just have to listen. And now she tells me yesterday, mom, 
a lot of my friends think I'm a really good driver, and I'm like, okay, you see that? You so, but um, she's, I we talked to her and we told her what might be happening. I mm-hmm. told her, I said I might be losing my hair again. Yeah. I don't think she's processed it yet. Yeah. Um, I never hide it from my kids. That's another sure. thing. I've I've seen parents that have hidden it. They haven't told their kids everything. Now my middle daughter, she's the one that. So we had an inter- we did an interview last year with Rutgers. There's this magazine that comes out um, quarterly, and they and they asked her questions. I was like, it's okay, you can ask my. I I'm op- I, I want my kids to know everything. I don't want them mm-hmm. to be in the dark about anything, sure. especially with cancer. Mm-hmm. Since she was two years old, she has always said that she wants her thing is quote. I want to be a surgeon doctor to help people with breast cancer. Since she was two, I never said wow. anything to her. But since she was two, even her doctor was like, she's going to be a doctor. Yeah. She's going to be a surgeon. Wow. So she's always said that. I mean, even now, she's basically the one when somebody gets cut at home, she goes, she gets the emergency oh, kit, she gets the ice. She's, she's always, I mean, she's six now. So she took it a little hard last week when I yeah. told her. I said, you know, mommy might be starting a new medicine. And she's like you're not going to lose your hair, are you? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I'm going to shave her. Now, her hair is past her waist. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to take my hair off and glue it to your head. And I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't work like that, but okay. Yeah. I said, you know, well, what if, you know, I didn't wear a wig the first time I lost right. my hair. I was pregnant, so I kind of just started wearing makeup. That's what, that was my, my thing. I started wearing makeup, which right. I never really used to wear. Um so, which is funny because she's FaceTiming me and she's at school, but um, my older daughter. So then I said, I said to her, well, how about if I let you cut my hair? You yeah. always like to do your doll's hair and do this. If I let you cut my hair and you shave my head. Because yeah. I said to the doctors, if I feel just one, if I feel like my, because they said my hair might start to thin and I might start to lose it. If I feel that, there's no way I'm, I'm letting this take my hair. There's yeah. no way. So I'm just going to have to take a razor to it. And, and now, reenacted GI yeah, means. right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's basically say. what I did the first time, except that I was pregnant. This time, I'll just, you know, like, whatever. I'm, and again, I'm gonna have, and I said to her, I was like, Courtney, I am taking out my hair because I'm not letting cancer take my hair. I said, You remember that? I said, You don't let anyone, because she's sick, she's a little feisty. She's, little, yeah. she's not, a lot more feisty than my 17 year old. Yeah. And she sounds like she's got the fighter she's, from you <laughs> and her. Oh, I guess from both of us. No. You're a fighter, yeah. too. But so she's like, when is this going to happen? I said, if it starts happening next week, then you're the one who's, you know, between you and Hannah. And Hannah's like, I don't know. My Hannah's like, I don't want to see this again. I don't want to see you lose your hair. And I was like, you know what? The funny thing is that I haven't, there's a, there's a few friends of mine, a few friends of mine that I, that have gone through cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them. We talked about PTSD. Mm-hmm. There is um, one of my one of my friends that actually has PTSD really really badly. Yeah. And um, you can tell it affects her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very vocal on Facebook about you know cancer this and mm-hmm. that and that. I don't look at it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's coping it with she's coping with this like this because there are a lot of women that get PTSD because every single what happens is that they start getting afraid every time they go to the doctor. Are sure. they going to especially if they have somebody that get they bad know news again. that is going through this? So they're always going to be afraid, especially the first five years. Mm-hmm. With breast cancer, a lot of women the first five years are vital because if it's going to come back, it's going to come back within the first five yeah. years. They said, mm-hmm. uh, which for me it was. I mean, a year. So, I mean, I, in retrospect, I kind of knew that I was going to get it back because I felt like I wasn't done fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I, you know, 
with the kids, I don't think my son really knows because I feel like he's too young to kind of know what's going on. But I, I tell him, I said, mommy's going to have short hair. He's like, but why? You know, it's like he's got that little boy like, but why? I don't understand. I said, eh, you know, mommy's going to have some medicine and it's going to help mommy. And it's going to help mommy's breast cancer. That's what he says. It's going to help mommy's breast cancer. And I said, yeah, it's going to help mommy's breast cancer. So I may not look okay and then i may not feel well but in the same time it's actually helping mommy mm -hmm. so that's what i try and keep telling them like you know i'm gonna feel you know they were like but you do so much right now and i'm like yeah you know you have to that's another thing i mean as much as it's hard like during the day to go on you, you i feel like like if they see that and sure they see that i'm, I'm going i'm just not letting this take me down mm -hmm. that it'll help them yeah. process the whole thing like yeah I don't think, like, even in the hospital, when I was in the hospital, I don't think it really affected my 17-year-old my at the time. Like, she was sad that I was in the hospital, but I don't think she knows, she knew the whole, like, she didn't know, like, the whole thing. I don't know how to explain it. I feel like, yeah. yeah. And she's going, and I will also want her to be a normal teenager, too. Like, I, I want her to go to the normal. I don't want her to stay home and take care of me just because... Right. I mean, right. I, I want her to have a normal upbringing, too. Like, I don't want her to say, oh, because my mom's cancer, I didn't, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that. Like, last year she did, you know, even though I had just had surgery in May and June, she still went to her prom. She had two proms. She did Memorial Day weekend, and, you know, she was a normal teenager. Right. Um, and that's what I want. I want them to always have that normal, even though I'm going through all this and we're going through all this, I still want them to go to their normal childhood. childhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's important for them. I don't want them to say, oh, because of my mom's cancer, I couldn't do this, or we couldn't do that. Like, my mom was always sick. Yeah, I was always sick, but they still had a normal, normal, for some people. Normal, I know it's, it's normal -ish, subjective, yeah. Right. Um, Normal-ish childhood, yeah. yeah. So. Well, listen, I truly uh, appreciate you guys coming in, uh, telling us your story, going through it. Uh, like I said, it's to me, it's inspiring um, what you guys have gone through and the type of people that you are. Um, so I know that there's going to be plenty of people listening to this. They're going to feel the same way. Um, I personally will keep you guys in our prayers. Uh, me and my children, we say prayers every night. So yeah. we do regular <laughs> prayers and we do special prayers. And we'll put you in the we special prayers. We do that too at home too. Simon. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, but good luck with the upcoming treatment, Thank you. Um, the bridge to the clinical, and uh, I got all the faith in the world that if anyone's going to beat it, you guys are going to keep beating these things down. And I uh, just want to say thank you for, for everything coming in here and talking to us. Thank you, thank you so much, Bill. This is Bill Brower with FMBA Nation. Stay safe.